It's the truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes talking about kind of a depressing subject, is it not? American decline. There seems to be tension between two notorious generations. And I am glad that my generation is not a part of it. Leave us out of it. Generation X don't want not nothing to do with none of y'all. Don't bring us up. Leave us out of it. If you bring us into it, I promise you will be sorry. Don't bring us into it. We ain't got nothing to do with it. Just we doing our thing. We just kind of sat back and just let the world do what it was going to do. We let y'all legalize weed, gay marriage. We just kind of go ahead, do your thing. We just going to be over here chilling. Don't bother us. Leave us alone. But the millennials and the baby boomers, and there was even a trope that was coined, okay, boomer, which is offensive. And I believe that part of the divide between those two generations is so one of the reasons is they're either grandparents and grandkids or parents and children. So that's always going to create a rift. But you have the older generation, the baby boomers born between 1946 and about 1964, 1965, give or take, whose lives were lived, formed, curated, and essentially completed prior to all of this technology of the 21st century. They are the old way. They are the old school. That doesn't really mesh well with how people communicate nowadays, what the world is like nowadays. So the baby boomer generation was firmly, firmly entrenched in the 20th century style of interpersonal communication. There's also some other differences between the generations. Baby boomers trust the news. Baby boomers watched Walter Cronkite. There was a period of time in this country where a particular member of the media was the most trusted human being in the country. And it was Walter Cronkite. And there was a, a news special that he did. He was an anchor for many, many years, many years. I still remember when Walter Cronkite was on the air and media was respected. It wasn't partisan. It wasn't like it is now where everybody's on one side or another. It wasn't about the most salacious headlines. It wasn't about bashing the other side. It was about telling people exactly what the hell was going on. You can make your own opinions about it. The news didn't make the opinions. They just told you how they, how, what, what was going on. When Walter Cronkite said the Vietnam War was unwinnable, we lost the war. He was that trusted that because, and this was a rare opinion that he gave. When he said the Vietnam War was unwinnable, we lost the war. Because guess who responded to Walter Cronkite's quote when Walter Cronkite said the Vietnam War was unwinnable? Lyndon Johnson, the president of the United States, said if we lost Cronkite, we've lost the war. And guess what? Oh, we lost the Vietnam War. We lost it bad. It was very embarrassing for us. One generation grew up trusting the media. Subsequent generations don't trust us at all. Just think about the rift that that can cause. 
Do you know how susceptible older Americans are to being duped online, whether it be identity theft or falling for fake news or clicking on things they shouldn't click on? Because to them, the media is trusted. And it's sad because the innocence that existed in the 20th century is gone. There's so much lying and cheating and deception going on. People don't even look the same anymore. Now you take a picture of yourself, you put it on the Internet, you don't like it. You can make A.I. make you look pretty. Artificial intelligence people are using like digital makeup. So even if you're talking to somebody on the Internet on one of those dating sites, chances are they don't even look like that anymore or they never did. Creation Muse says, not sure what city, but they were telling people to leave their doors unlocked or windows down so they don't get broken into. Don't just leave any valuables in your car. That's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard in my entire life. Okay, so why don't we all just walk around naked to make sexual assault easier? Well, at least they won't rip your clothes. That's not, I don't, I wouldn't recommend that. If you have insurance on something, like on your home or on your car, that's all the reason you need to make sure that your car and your house is locked to protect. That's dumb. I, okay. I'm not engaging in that. If Putnam felt the first raindrops of an antisocial revolution in America, the downpour is finally here and we're all getting washed away by the flood from the years 2003 to the year 2022. American men reduced their average face to face socializing by about 30%. For unmarried Americans, the decline was even bigger, more than 35%. For teenagers, it was bigger yet still. More than 45% of boys and girls aged 15 to 19 reduced their weekly social hangouts by more than three hours a week. In short, there is no statistical record of any other period in American history when people have spent more time on their own. How do boys and girls, how do they flirt? with each other and like how do they begin the process of dating i suppose that's probably online like everything else is we also live in a zero tolerance society which like everything else has probably gone to an extreme because i can recall what we as middle school kids and high school kids used to do to one another like that stuff now would get you expelled permanently the bullying bullying was a rite of passage at brown high school it was just it happened it's what it was and when I think back on it, it was an annoyance, but it also didn't rise to the level of what bullying is now. Right? You got picked on. Or if you were carrying your books, especially if you were a freshman. If you were a freshman at Brown Deer, you got it. But a lot of times you got it because the older class men, like, respected you. And they wanted to, they wanted to pick on you a little bit. But here's what it did, though, for us. It made us tougher because I promise you, the world— the outside world, the adult world, the world of responsibilities, you know, once you're grown, once you're out there and you you leave the nest and you're away from your parents. Oh, the world is the biggest bully of them all. Oh, they didn't they didn't warn us about the world. It's unthinking, unfeeling, uncaring. You are nameless. You are faceless. You're just a person out in the world. Now, you have your friends, you have your family, you have your social circle. But to everybody else, you don't really count no more. That's what the world is. But the bullying now can be obviously in school, in person, face-to-face. Then they can find your social media accounts and they can mess with you on the internet. And actually has led to an increase in suicide. So the bullying that we dealt with, which was nothing really worse than 
get your books knocked out of your hand. Or here's something else that we did. Do y'all know that sexual assault was just rampant, like in schools? Let me give you an example. If you wore sweatpants to school, in middle school, or in high school, let me tell you something. You learned this lesson early. You better tie your drawstring. Because someone would try to come up behind you, grab one pants leg with one hand, grab the other pants leg with the other hand, and yank it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We called it pantsing. And we laugh about it. Not every now and again, somebody would cry. But here's what's crazy boys did it to girls, girls did it to us too. What'd you say, Rhea? That's weird. Oh, yeah, it's very weird. But that was just something that we did. We taught people a lesson. You better tie that drawstring or wear jeans. And the teachers would see it. Like, you wouldn't even go to the office for that. They wouldn't even send it to the principal's office. Or, because it's happened to me before, I didn't care. Like, go ahead and get a look. Go ahead and look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a teacher, somebody pulled my sweatpants down, right? And a teacher like, Sherwin, pull your damn pants up. What are you doing? They blame me for it. Sherwin, put that thing away. Was that a weapon? Get that thing out of here. Put that away. And so what, the article says, one might reasonably ask that question. Aloneness is not loneliness. Not only that, one might point out the texture of aloneness has changed in modern America. Solitude is less solitary than ever with all the calling and the texting and the emailing and the work chatting and the DMing and the posting. We are producing unprecedented terabytes of interpersonal communication. If Americans were happy about themselves and their friends and about their country, then whining about parties of one would feel silly. But for Americans in the 2020s, Solitude, anxiety, and dissatisfaction seem to keep rising in lockstep. Surveys show that Americans, and especially young Americans, have never been more anxious about their own lives or more depressed about the future of the country. Teenage depression and hopelessness are setting a new annual record every single year. The share of young people that say they have a close friend has plummeted. Americans have been so depressed about the state of the nation for so many consecutive years that by the year 2023, NBC pollsters said, quote, we have never before seen this level of sustained pessimism in the 30 plus years of this poll's history. That makes a tremendous amount of sense, doesn't it? Post anything on the Internet, anything, ladies and gentlemen, post a picture of a puppy and someone will express their dissatisfaction about you, the puppy and probably both. I talked about Elmo who tweeted the week before last. I think the tweet has been taken down because some of the responses were gut-wrenching. This is Elmo now, the little, hi, I'm Elmo. Is that how Elmo sounds? Elmo, hi. Elmo tweeted. Apparently, Elmo has a Twitter account, or it's called X now. Elmo said something like, hey, everybody. Just checking in, how is everybody doing? The answers showcased a general misery that was so overwhelming. It was like 185 million views over a million responses. 
everyone was unhappy. Everyone was sad. Everyone was depressed. People are now tweeting and they found it cathartic, I suppose, because people were tweeting how their lives have unraveled, how their relationships have ended, how their kids aren't making any things of themselves. It was truly, truly sad. But I think that is where we are. The fighting, the disagreeing, the political bickering. It has reached a fever pitch. And I just I don't know where where this ends. Americans are already divided. I don't think that we need another reason to be divided. But here's why why it worries me. Like, there's no sense of patriotism anymore. There's no sense of duty to the country. There's no sense of looking out for one another because we all are supposed to be united under one flag. Most people probably hate this country. Even the people that love the country hate a lot of the people that are in it. They, people love the idea of America, but they don't love all Americans. Oh, it's just horrendous. The author says, I don't think hanging out more will solve every problem, but I do think social crisis in the United States could be helped somewhat if people spend a little more time with other people and a little less time gazing into the digital content that's designed to make us anxious and despondent about the world. This young 21st century, Americans have collectively submitted to a national experiment to deprive ourselves of camaraderie in a world world of flesh and steel, choosing instead to grow and grow and grow the time we spend by ourselves gazing into screens, wherein actors and influencers often engage in the very acts of physical proximity that we deny one another. It's been a weird experiment, and the results have not been pretty. To get a crystal clear picture of how hanging out has dissipated in America— the author said they spent the last week spelunking inside an American in the American time use survey, an annual government poll of how people in America spend their days. Economists at the survey's headquarters carefully tracked time spent socializing, meaning face to face interaction for more than a dozen different American demographics. Broadly, real-world socializing has declined for both men and women, for all ages, for all ethnicities, and for all levels of income and all levels of education. Although COVID-19 clearly increased time alone, these trends predate the pandemic. So we want to blame COVID on a lot of stuff. We were hanging out by ourselves long before COVID. Some people would just curl up with the Internet on a Friday night and just scroll and scroll and like and post and scroll and look and screenshot and send and receive and like and scroll. You get into this rabbit hole. This is why I had to get off of TikTok. TikToks were starting to know me better than I knew myself. The steepest declines have been among young people, poor people, and of course, African-Americans. Women and 20-somethings enjoy the most social time in a given week and low-income, middle-aged, unmarried men seem to get together the least. For most groups, the decline was staggered before accelerating after 2015. Beyond in-person hanging out, several other forms of socialization have declined by about a third in the past two decades, including the share of Americans who volunteer and the share of Americans who attend religious services over the weekend. That's something else that needs to be said. You guys know how I feel about religion. It's very it's personal. It's also very complicated. It's also protected your freedom of religion. But going to church every single Sunday was a way in which you got your ass out the house and socialize with other people. And I understand that. 
it wasn't necessarily about getting some word or all of the other things that are associated with church. It's getting out of the house and seeing people and talking to them face to face and in person, asking them how they're doing, asking them what's going on. Because for some folks, that was all of the other than work. That was the only social interaction that they had. The hangout depression is particularly bad for teenagers. So I'm going to pause there, come back and continue to chat about American decline. And maybe it is up to us to put America back on track, bring everybody back together. We'll keep having the conversation on the other side. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. I'll be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome back. Oh, look who we have on the line. Let's talk to Al. You're on 1017 The Truth. How are you? I'm doing good. I wanted to say hello to you. Um, I wanted to ask you a, you a quick question. Okay. Uh, it's a little controversial. Um, I've seen something where they said that the black church was designed to keep the black woman single. There's been a couple of people speaking out against this. They said in the seminary schools, they say the black woman is more valuable to the church if she's kept single because she'll look at the pastor as her man because they use certain things like thou woman shall be loose because if she gets with a man or get her groove back, they know those Sunday visits will stop and that cash flow will start to decease. And it just kind of sent a lot of red flag because, you know, when it comes to a lot of, you know, black women, they are oh, all about the church. But when they find that special someone to keep them happy, it ain't no more going to that church on Sunday. But when I thought about it, you know, I was like, well, you know, it kind of sends kind of a lot of eye. It was an eye opener to me. So do you feel the black church keeps the black woman single? Because there's a lot of people speaking out about that. And I'm going to hang up and listen. All right. Thank you. Al. Appreciate your call. Boy, that was thought provoking. No, not necessarily. However, something does come to mind. Y'all, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had and how many phone calls I've taken. Let me put this in perspective. My 1,000th radio broadcast was November 16th of 2016. That was 1,000 shows eight years ago, so imagine how many I've had since then, but there's one call and one caller I'll never forget. He hasn't called in a while. I'm not going to say his name. He may still listen, but he was, he was married and he didn't go to church. But when he met his wife, she was ha- active in the church. They're black. Her whole family was active in the church. And so when they got married, I believe they got married in a church, but he made it abundantly clear. He's like, yeah, I'm not a church person. You go do your thing. If that's what you do, if that's a part of how you grew up, and if you find something positive about going to church, then you you keep on going to church. I may not go with you, but I think he'd go with her like every now and again for like special services or whatever. 
And he noticed that the amount of money that his wife was giving the church, later we come to find out the pastor was increasing. And the amount of time she spent at church, more than just Sunday, she'd go to Bible study and fellowship and she'd go to all sorts of other things. Well, not only was she giving the pastor more money, she was having an affair with the pastor. Similar to what Al just said, and I don't know the role that the pastor played, but I've, I've seen so much deception and people use religion as a shield. Some of the worst people I've ever met in my entire life are absolutely the most Christian, and they think that they get to treat people any way they want to because, well, of course, they're covered by the blood of Christ. So the hypocrisy is real. But so that was an example of how that pastor did get in the way of a woman who was married and then ended up manipulating the woman into because pastors are slick talkers. Y'all y'all know that. You know what the history of a lot of pastors are? And I'm not trying to out anybody in this city. But those of you who have been around for long enough, you know, a bunch of them used to be pimps. A bunch of Milwaukee pastors used to be pimps. That is where they learned the gift of gab. They learned how to seduce people. A lot of pastors got game because if a pimp can talk a woman out of their money, then a pastor can talk you out of yours. So I found that one to be just fascinating that this man who married this woman who was so loyal to the church and maybe she was just mesmerized or hypnotized by the pastor. And so they ultimately ended up getting getting divorced. Do I think the black church is designed to keep the black woman single? No, because there's a whole bunch of black women that don't go to church that are still single. I think to some extent black culture keeps black women single. And let me qualify that because that might be offensive to some. A black woman knowing how tough the world is going to be because she is black and because she is a she She's got to accomplish a lot, doesn't she? She's got to finish school, get a couple of degrees. She's got to start her career. She's got to move up the ladder in her career. She's got to own her own property because there's no guarantee that she'll meet a man or, you know, a husband and acquire property with him. So she does all of these things. And ladies and gentlemen, it takes many, many years to acquire all of those things, the on paper kind of success. And then she may say, and again, I'm generalizing here, this does not by any means apply to all women. But once she has achieved what she believes is a comfortable level of success, now she may say, okay, now I'm ready to find a man and to settle down because I have all of these things. I've got the education. I've got the career. I've got the house. I've got the cars. I've got the investments and the equity and the money in the bank. I have all of these things. Now let me try and find somebody. The harsh reality is as women get older, and this is not like me being condescending at all. It is the reality that some people don't want to deal with. As women get older, their value in the sexual marketplace declines. It does. So if she takes till she's 35 or 37 or 40 to accomplish all these things, and that's a reasonable amount of time. I would say if she accomplished all those things by 40, she did it quickly. You get the career and you get the job and you get the promotion and you get the house and you get the cars and you get the equity and you get the money in the bank and you get the investments. At 40, it's going to be harder for her, isn't it? And we're not even 
Like, this is not even me being facetious. It's going to be harder. Also, because she's probably seen a lot. She's probably dealt with a lot. She's seen a lot of her friends and family members get divorced. She is very specific in what she is looking for, and she will not settle for anything less. And I say good for her. But what she should have been doing, not that I'm giving her advice, because this is what other races of women do. While they're accomplishing all of those things, they're looking for the man at the same time. They're looking for the man when they're in school. They're looking for the man when they get their first job. They're looking for the man when they get the promotion. They're looking for the man before they buy that house. Because I'll be honest with y'all, to find your person, it will probably take your life. It will probably take your entire life. Now, if you start earlier and looking for your person, if that's what you want to do, if you want to be paired, if you want to be coupled, if you want to be married, if you want a family, if you want children, or if you just want to be with your person, have somebody to do things with and go places with and experience life with, because we all will admit life is better when you got somebody else. Life can be cool by yourself. It also can be cold by yourself. But it's, it takes a long time. And the reason why I believe it takes a long time to find your person is because you have to grow and you have to improve and you have to mature. Once you get past a certain age, don't you guys notice something that the quality of the people in your life corresponds with the quality of your life itself? You ever notice that as you get better and more confident and more comfortable, so do the people that gravitate towards you. It's a very unusual kind of phenomenon. But I think the pressure that exists on black people, quite honestly, black men, we can wait. Because as we get older and we grow and we mature, and we become more financially stable and we get the job and we get the career. Because a lot of black men had to go through the criminal justice system, right? Then they found their way. Then they get a renewed lease on life, don't they? And then they start building and then they start grinding. And then they put together their money in their career and they get the house and they get the cars. As he gets older, his value in the sexual marketplace goes up. As she gets older, hers goes down. It is a biological mismatch. He can legitimately start his family at 40 and have the money and have the house and have the cars and have the job and have the business and have the career at 40. And just nobody bats an eye at that. Her starting her life and her family and wanting five kids at 40, and now it can be done, but uh, it's different, ain't it? Because he, who was 40 and has all, all the things, has the job, has the money, has the promotion, has the house, has the career, has the equity, can choose a woman that is 40. He can. He can choose a woman that's 45. He also can choose a woman that's 25. Now, before you guys have a fit, because that 25-year-old woman is like, yeah, I'm not waiting until I have all the things where I find my, before I find my man. I may find my man at 25, and he may be 40 because he will have more value in a sexual marketplace. He'll be smarter. He'll be more mature. He'll be more stable. He'll probably be a much better father. Gentlemen, imagine for those of you that had kids when you were 17, and let's say you're 40-plus now, imagine if you had your first child now. The things that you know about the world the life you've experienced, the maturity that you have gained and acquired at 40, 40 plus, as opposed to 17. Something else, ain't something to be said about that. So the woman at 25, yeah, I'll be with a 40 year old guy. And the people that get mad at that, if a 40 year old man who is mature and established, because remember, it takes you a while to get to that place. In fact, most men don't become desirable until you are out of your 30s. 
We are very immature. We're incredibly selfish. We don't have a deep understanding about ourselves, let alone the world. We're not entirely established. But once we get 40 or in our late 30s, then it starts to make sense. Then we start to reflect back on all the things we've done, all the relationships we've ruined, all the disrespect that we have been a part of. And you, you start to change. You mature a little bit, right? But the only people that get mad at that 40-year-old man who's got it together, he's got everything. Remember, he's got the job and the career and the degree and the house and the equity. He's got the maturity. The only people that get mad at him not wanting that 25-year-old woman are women that are 40. Oh, you robbing the crate. Oh, why you like them little young girls? No, no, no. That's jealousy. Unprovoked hate is always jealousy. When people get mad at the older man who may want a family, but it took him a while. He had to get to a place where he knew himself. He was grown. He was mature. He was done playing games. He was done out there being in the streets. It takes men a while. But he's better at 40. And I'm not saying that she is not better at 40, but she's limited when it comes to time and having a family. Right? And if the man is supposed to lead, even though a bunch of y'all don't want to admit that, I think you guys know that that's just the natural order of things. A 40-year-old man who has his stuff together is totally equipped to lead a 25-year-old woman who's still growing, right? But she can grow with the guidance of him because he is the foundation of the home, of the maturity. He's got the money. He's got the business. He's got the promotion. He's got the house. He's got the equity. That makes total sense. And they can be very well partnered, can't they? But the only people that get mad at that is the women that are 40 because they know that they could have done the same thing or at least started looking in earnest when they were 25, but they didn't. And that's the funny thing about time. You never get it back. And time is an incredible teacher. Is she not? Time is the best teacher that I've ever been privy to. Unfortunately, eventually time kills all of her students. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. I'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Dreams of you, dreams of you are so fine, so fine. Gigi used the example of Jay-Z and Beyonce, 40 and 25. Men are still lousy at 40. Older men don't have it together. And that probably could be your personal experience, Gigi. Because here's the other thing. Okay, so, ladies, you'll meet a man. And here's the thing. He just ain't the man for you. For whatever reason. The relationship dissolved. All men are not trash because you were in a situation that didn't work out with him. A lot of y'all do that. Y'all trash all of us because you picked wrong. All these men is just terrible. You know how much responsibility. So here's the thing that as adults, we shouldn't even be having this discussion. You are responsible for who you bring around. Right. You with somebody and it didn't work out. Charge it to the game. It just didn't work out. You know, there's other people that are out there that probably will work out better for you. But you can't deal with the fact that you picked wrong. Now, all men or women are trash. Our energy brings people around us into our orbit. If our energy is bad, if we're in transition or if we're not where we want to be or if we're anxious, we're sad and we're depressed, 
the universe is going to bring those people to you. Now, ultimately, it probably isn't going to work out because you weren't in your best place and in your best space. So the people that are attracted to you, don't blame them. And then don't blame all men because you was involved with a situation. I mean, not you specifically, Gigi, but just like the the ubiquitous you. All these men is trash because this man did this to me. No, he just wasn't a dude for you. You ever notice that, you know, you have a man and a woman, they're married. They get divorced or they break up, whatever. And I always find this so fascinating. When that man couples again with another woman. So he was in a relationship. The relationship broke up or he was married. And then the marriage dissolves. The relationship ends. And then the woman that he is with is not nearly as attractive. Have you guys ever seen that before? And people are like, wait a minute. Like, yo, your wife is beautiful. And this woman is not attractive at all. And women have a field day with that. They do. But there's something that they miss. And there's something that men understand that I don't know if women quite get again this is not all women but this is also like our interpersonal relationships with the opposite sex is also indicative of american decline for the most part we all hate each other we do we men hate women women hate men uh the women ain't nothing the men we're all lousy and wordless like this is just a part of the the epoch of american decline that we are in we just hate each other we do the things that can bring the world back together, solid man-woman relationships, the backbone and the foundation of the family, because men and women, basically, we hate each other or we're in competition. That means that the family can never can never be the strength and the core and the backbone of America coming back together again, right? So it's all a part of the decline that we're experiencing together as a nation. We hate each other. Just competitive. So man and woman are married. They get divorced. The man finds another girlfriend or maybe he gets married again. But the new woman he is with, not even attractive, not nearly as attractive as the woman he left. And we're over here looking at him like, dude, you're stupid. You left this beautiful woman for one that's not as pretty. This should tell you everything y'all need to know. You know that we prefer y'all natural, no makeup on, none of all this stuff that y'all do. And a lot of times women do that stuff to show up other women, or I don't know, maybe you do it for yourselves. Who wants to put forth that kind of effort? Like, why do you got to put forth that kind of effort for yourself? But it is what it is. It doesn't matter how the woman looks. We want to go where there is peace. And that less attractive woman that is going to get thrown under the bus by all the attractive women is his peace. We will take peace, comfort, love, and solitude over looks any day. We don't care how you look if you're a horrible human being. It doesn't matter how you look. There is no amount of pretty that any man will trade for respect. Ever. There is no, I don't care. I don't care if Beyonce is who is Beyonce, right? She leaves Jay-Z and she want to come get with Sherwin, which I wouldn't blame her. But if she's got a trash attitude and she's mean, condescending and disrespectful and emotionally devoid, Jay-Z can have her back. Rhea, you sound like you want to say something. What do you want to say? You don't want to say it? Okay. Y'all are way more fixated on looks. I mean, men are visual. Like, we might want the conquest of a beautiful woman, but the woman that we choose to be in a relationship with or a marriage with, 
the durable parts of her personality, how she loves, takes care of, shows affection, and is just generally his solitude because the world is hard. Don't nobody want to come home to a partner, man or woman. Like the first thing y'all ever had is the first thing you had a hard day. You just want the peace and serenity of being at home. You know you got stuff to do around the house, but just let somebody come in the house and get set on to get the shoes off. You come in the house, they telling you all the stuff you got to do, and you ain't do that, and you ain't got that. You know what? Whatever happens to when your person gets home, greet them. Hey, how you? How was your day? Mwah, mwah, mwah. Give me some sugar. Give me a hug. Give them a minute. Then start telling them all the stuff they need to do. We will always go, and especially as we get older, we understand that looks are fleeting. It might have been a girl I was attracted to when I was in high school or maybe somebody I went to college with, right, in my 20s, whatever. And sometimes you think, like, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have got with that person based upon how they looked. Like, oh, you know, this person was very pretty back in the day. And, you know, we used to talk a little bit. We used to flirt a little bit back in the 90s, you know what I mean? And you wonder, like, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I would have got with that person and you look at them now and you're glad you didn't because they don't look the same. Looks are here today and gone tomorrow. A man needs peace because we have to do battle in the world. We deal with things as men that women know nothing about. And I know ladies, you guys deal with stuff that we don't see either. We understand But the world is actively trying to kill men, as evident by our reduced life expectancy. We just don't live as long and we have everything to do. We are the responsibility. We are the strength. We have to be the breadwinners. We have to be the mentors. We have to be the leaders, don't we? We have all the most dangerous jobs. Look up the 10 most dangerous jobs in Utah. I'm going to let you all do this on your own because you like to do your research. We'll do research on this. Look at the 10 most dangerous jobs that exist. Those are not female-dominated industries. We go to work and die at work more often than anybody else does. We want peace. And sometimes when it comes down to it, we don't even care how the peace looks. We don't care if it's got long hair or braids or cumbrella eyelashes. We don't care about all that because none of that is necessary if she cannot provide us loving solitude. That's all we want. All right. Not really a city girl says a woman can take a young man and get him upright too, Sherwin. This whole narrative that older women have no value is BS. The older woman may be done having kids, but she has value. Oh, I'm not saying that older women don't have value, but Not really a city girl. If you're saying a woman can take a young man and get him upright, too, that's called a mama. What grown woman wants to raise a man? You know what I mean? Like men need to be already prepared and mature and stable. And there's some women that want to do they want a project. They want a pet. And sometimes that pet is either it's a chihuahua, it's a golden retriever, it's a pit bull or it's a man. So what I say does not apply to all situations. There's always going to be people that take exception. But by and large, if a woman is older and if she's seeking a younger man to, like, take care of, that's he's feeling some kind of a like a need. And, and a man who wants to be taken care of or is following the leadership of a woman like that's reversing the natural order of things. But here's the thing. If y'all are in those situations, no shade and no judgment. But a 50 year old woman would a 27 year old dude and he just in and out of jail. He can't keep a job. And she, oh, I'm a fix him. Y'all got to stop that. 
Y'all got to find stop finding men that are project. Y'all got to stop trying to change us because the only thing that's going to change is the relationship. You can't. You can't change a man. You can't. If you didn't make him, you can't change him. And that's what y'all do. And so here's the, the other cautionary tale. Ladies, some of y'all have successfully changed a man. When you met him, he was dusty, crusty, musty. He didn't know how to dress. He didn't know how to do stuff. You, you picked him up. You dusted him off. Now he's dressing good. He's looking good. He's smelling good. He cares about his appearance. He's a much better man. You gave him love. And the most important and dangerous thing you can give a man is confidence. And guess what happens? You're proud of him. Now, because you saw the raw material in him. You saw his potential. And you loved him. And you you know, you know, helped him out. And now he's dressing different. He's taking care of himself now. He's keeping a job because of your love and support. You know what you just did? You just made him more attractive to other women. That's right. Now he got that confidence. Now he's looking good. He's smelling good. He got that job, right? He's out there taking care of business now. Thanks to you. But he has no obligation to pay you back. You have just made him attractive to other women. If your man is attractive to you and desired by you, he is desired and attractive to other women as well. That is just the unfortunate reality. But keeping in mind, all of this is transpiring. It's very complicated, the male-female dynamic and relationships and family. But this is all happening in a new context. Like our grandparents didn't argue and fight like this. They just loved each other. Back in the day, Big Mama maybe put on some pearls and a flower dress and her little kitten heels. That's it. That's all. She wasn't wearing the eyelashes and doing all the stuff, and she wasn't getting a Brazilian butt tuck. What? So are you saying that women shouldn't take care of themselves, look nice? No. I'm saying it's not going to endear you to what you ultimately want. If, if people want to change their appearance for themselves, there's nothing we can do about that. But it doesn't make you more attractive and more desirable if your personality is what's lacking. It doesn't matter how you look. If you're a horrible person with bad energy, you're going to always attract horrible people with bad energy. It don't matter how you look. How you look only gets like a person to notice. Like when a woman says, or man, oh, I can get anybody I want. You probably can, especially if you got low standards. You can get anybody you want, but you can't keep the person that you want to be with. Anybody can get anybody. If you put your mind to it, it's not really that tough. But can you keep the person that will be your partner, that will be there for you through thick and thin? Most people cannot. Take a break. Come back. We talk to June, who says that they're the only one at the polls today. That's unfortunate. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Let's talk to June. You're on 1017 The Truth. How are you, June? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. So I kind of first want to talk about what you were saying about... um, a person, like as far as their personality, and it's the inner that counts. Cause my mom always taught me that you're supposed to carry yourself in a respectful way, and you know, handle yourself ladylike, and then you would never have to worry about guys. 
And I, I kind, I do believe that because I used to club a lot, and I had a girlfriend that used to like really like go all out, you know, with the makeup and the, all of that. But I didn't do that. I was just like kind of plain and. And actually, I got most of the guys kind of talked to me because they said I was just original. So I kind of, like, agree with what you're saying, like, all that outer stuff. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't. So that, that's kind of what I wanted to say about that. All right. But also, I, want, I wanted to say that I went to vote, and I was, like, the only one. And I was over at Titonia, the police station. Okay. And I was, like, the only one. I was just me. What voter oh, number were you? Weird. One. At what time? <laughs> it was like, well, I want to say ten. And you were the first vote. So wait a minute. What? Um, you know what aldermanic district you live in? Who's your alderman? Do you know who your alderman is? Yeah. God, what's her name? Um, her dad. Oh my God, Pratt. Okay, her so she, I don't Pratt think she like has um. A primary, so there's nobody coming out to vote for that. The only other thing on your ballot was the mayoral primary, and I don't know if that's yeah, really exciting yeah. anybody. So that would, and also <laughs> maybe there'll be more voters because people are at work right now, maybe around noon or maybe afterward. Yeah. But it's going to be a very low turnout election because there's nothing on the ballot of real of real interest yeah. for a lot of people. So yeah, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's all I need to say. All right. Thank you. Appreciate your call. All right. You're welcome. Man. You heard what June just said. You heard it. Barbara says, newsflash, women want respect too. Men who complain about not being respected usually are the first to be disrespectful. Don't say bad things to a woman and she'll love you to death. It's not quite that simple. And if you have, if you carry yourself in a particular way and if you exhibit and exude the kind of personality traits where you demand and command respect, like that is what you're going to attract. But if some if you're with somebody, men or women, and they disrespect you, then maybe it was just a faux pas. Maybe just it was a miscommunication. But if they do it again and again and again and refuse to acknowledge it or at least learn from it, then now it's your fault. That's we can't tolerate certain stuff, especially as older adults. Like, come on, we've seen this stuff before. We've been at this dance before. There's only like six or seven different personalities. And by the time you're 35, you've met all of them. Don't let somebody disrespect you. Barbara says, and an older man taking a younger woman is called daddy. Maybe. But by and large, and this is nothing we even need to debate. Sometimes people want to be argumentative just to be argumentative. Women like older men. Ain't none of y'all lining up to get you a 21-year-old man. He's worthless. He's worthless to himself. He's worthless to the world. You know what? He's worthless to other men. He's not mature. He's not earning anything. He's not established. He's not making a dent in the world. He's not making his mark on society. Nobody wants him. Nobody. He doesn't want himself. Not a city girl is agreeing with Barb saying just because one has a mouth to speak does not give one the right to say whatever comes to mind. Verbal abuse is a real issue across the board. I think both parties have have perfected verbal abuse. And a lot of times when women who fight with words because women destroy other women and other men the same way by disrespecting them, bullying them, demeaning them, using words instead of fists. 
I mean, that's just as abusive as using a fist, is it not? That's the same thing. Reputation destruction, gossip, like that's all violence. And more often a tool of violence used by women. The truth was sure when he was to be back for hour three.